0: So, today we conclude our summer sermon series on the book of Acts. And uh, we're not done the book yet, but uh, Lord willing, we'll take it up in the new year 2020. It's just around the corner, anyways. But so far in the book of Acts, we have seen several challenges and obstacles in the early church, and several people trying to stop the church from growing. But we also see God's continued work, and the church continue to flourish. And hopefully through this book of Acts as well, our idea of church is being challenged. And what does it mean for us to be the church in the 21st century and in Exeter? Previous chapters, 8 and 9, we saw the work of God's Holy Spirit through the conversion of Saul and through some of his followers as well. A man who hated Jesus is now proclaiming the name of Jesus to others And actually, there's peace in the land as well. In fact, Saul went down to Tarsus to sort of lay low because some Jewish folks were trying to kill him. But so Paul, he or Saul, takes a bit of a furlough in Tarsus. This morning, we read, continue reading with Acts 9, 32 to 43, where now we again enter into the life and the work of the disciple Peter. So Acts 9... Verses 32 to 43. As Peter traveled about the country, he went to visit the Lord's people who lived in Lydda. And there he found a man named Aeneas, who was paralyzed and had been bedridden for eight years. Aeneas, Peter said to him, Jesus Christ heals you. Get up. Roll up your mat. Immediately, Aeneas got up. And all those who lived in Lydda and Sharon saw him and turned to the Lord. In Joppa there was a disciple named Tabitha, in Greek her name is Dorcas. And she was always doing good and helping the poor. And about that time she became sick and died, and her body was washed and placed in the upstairs room. Lydda was near Joppa, so when the disciples heard that Peter was in Lydda, they sent two men to him and urged him, Please come at once. Peter went with them, and when he arrived he was taken upstairs to the room. And all the widows stood around him and they were crying and showing him the robes and other clothing that Dorcas had made while she was still with them. Peter sent them all out of the room. And then he got down on his knees and he prayed. Turning toward the dead woman, he said, Tabitha, get up. She opened her eyes and seeing Peter, she sat up and he took her by the hand and helped her to her feet. And then, he re- and then he called for the believers, especially the widows, and presented her to, to them alive. And this became known all over Joppa. And many people believed in the Lord. Peter stayed in Joppa for some time with a tanner named Simon. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. <clears throat> Father God, we thank you for your continued work in the early church. And that that gives us the assurance that you continue to lead us in the 21st century church. May through this story we strive to be like Peter, who strives to be like you. And may as a church we represent the body of Christ to a broken and hurting and sinful world. And as individuals, may we represent Jesus wherever we go. We thank you for this reading, and bless this reading, and the preaching of your word. Open our hearts and minds to what you are speaking to us through Acts 9. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So a group of us have uh, recently returned from a world-renew mission trip from North Carolina. Four adults went with eight young adults. And it was neat to see on this trip the diversity of ages and skills and personalities interact. Don't worry, parents, you could be very proud of the young adults. I have to admit that I did learn some new language that week. It was, go- it was okay language. Words such as heater or banger or mish. And I would teach you these words, but the reality is that they're probably going to be irrelevant in the next few months anyways with new words taking their place. But young and old who were on this trip, they were themselves... They had their own personalities, listening to their own music, sometimes mine, mostly not. And in preparing for this mission trip, we were reminded of our purpose. Sure, we were there to serve. We were there to help with those impacted by Hurricane Florence last year. But our purpose was that we were representing the church and representing Jesus Christ himself. Now, whether this came to mind or not uh, all the time, and we may not have realized it all the time, but we were out in the hot 33 degree weather and 42 humidity, sweating as representatives to Jesus and to his body, to the body of Christ, the church. Now, I only use this mission trip as an example, because a specific mission trip or not, we are always on mission for the church. We are always on mission for Jesus. And it doesn't matter if you're involved in a specific mission trip or not. In the bulletin you can see that SALT, the Service and Learning Team 2020, is is preparing to be organized. And I encourage you to give that prayerful thought. So yes, whether on a mission trip or not, according to Paul's letter in Colossians 3.17, what does matter is that whatever we do, whether we do it in word or deed, wherever we are, we do it all in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to God, the Father, through Him. And so every person, whether on a mission trip or otherwise, but on that mission trip, they represented Jesus in their work. So when they're going about through their work, and going about through the town, and meeting with the homeowner, Joan was her name, Joan saw Jesus in each person. And there was a journey of healing that was going on with folks who had been displaced by the hurricane the year before and still remaining displaced and probably displaced again with Hurricane Dorian having slammed through the eastern coast of North America. In fact, just minutes where we were staying in North Carolina, Swansboro, a tornado devastated part of that area this week. God is going to use his people. He's going to use his people in small or large activities. And he's going to use his people to bring glory to him. God is going to use his people, he's going to use each of us, to represent his son, Jesus Christ, on this earth. So that we and others will give thanks to God our Father. People of God, whatever we do, wherever we go, we are representing Jesus Christ on this earth through the power of the Holy Spirit equipping us and empowering us, bringing others into a relationship with us and with our Lord and Savior. So how are we doing in that area of ministry? Acts 9 Verses 32 to 43, we're told that the early church had entered into a time of peace. There was still some turmoil and some conflict um, because people were now after the former Christian killer Saul. But Saul, as we mentioned, had to lay low in his hometown of Tarsus. But despite these minor conflicts and these hurdles, this area had very little resistance now to Christianity at this moment. So as a result, people continued to move beyond the Jerusalem borders into Judea, into Samaria, into Lydda, into Joppa. The gospel message of the resurrected Lord Jesus Christ was becoming known to more people through the work of the obedient disciples. Now, as we've been reading the book of Acts and others who may not have been here, but you may know the book of Acts, up to this point in the early church, there were some big events that were happening in this book. I mean, because Acts begins with the ascension of Jesus Christ, and then it moves on to the story of the early church with Pentecost, the power of the Holy Spirit coming upon God's people, people speaking different languages, thousands of people turning to Christ, and then following that, Peter heals a lame beggar in front of the temple gates, and keep in mind, There were several witnesses because people were coming in and out of the temple. And this beggar had been sitting there for many, many years. He was over 40 years old and lame from birth. And so now we have to ask ourselves, why do we have tucked into chapter 9 here two brief stories of two other miracles? Peter was sent out to preach the gospel of the resurrected Lord and Savior and to encourage and to equip the saints And Peter, he had many miracles in his ministry. And here we have the author Luke. Luke is the author of Acts, the book of Acts. And Luke chooses to mention two of the miracles here in chapter 9. I think God also wants us to take note and to see some of the small things that are going on. That wherever we go, it may not be like the Ascension or the Pentecost, but wherever we go... In large and small things, we represent Jesus. Wherever we go, Jesus is at work. Wherever we go, we and others may be changed and transformed one by one. Wherever we go, people can enter into a relationship with the Lord and come to praise Him and follow Him. So we have two small stories here where two people are in dire need of help. One, Aeneas, he's been crippled and bedridden for eight years. This was not some minor disease. This had impacted his life and probably others for eight years. And so Peter is called to raise someone who is paralyzed. And then we hear the other story about Tabitha, also known known as Dorcas. And her life and others are impacted greatly because she is actually dead. And this disciple, Tabitha, she was a servant of Jesus. She has died, and yet she was a servant. She was a deacon. She did many things for God's people. And so Peter is called to her area to raise someone who is dead. So we're going to look at a couple of things going on in this passage. And often we kind of take a step back and we we see the passage for what it is in its big context. But in this case, we're going to kind of dive in a little more because we're going to look at some things that aren't really evident to each of us. And we're going to look a little bit behind the scenes. The first thing is that these two miracles by Peter followed the example of Jesus. These two miracles are being used by Luke here in this chapter to compare to two other stories that Luke also reported in his gospel while Jesus walked on his earth, on the earth. The healing of Aeneas is compared to Jesus healing another paralyzed man in Luke chapter 5. In Luke 5, a paralyzed man was lowered by his friends into a crowded room where Jesus was. And Jesus says, your sins are forgiven. And this man was miraculously healed. The raising of Tabitha from the dead is similar to the raising of Jairus' daughter in Luke chapter 8. In Luke 8, it's reported that a 12-year-old girl has died, and Jesus tells her also to get up, and she miraculously lives. The miracles in the book of Luke were performed by Jesus Christ. He was physically there. The miracles in the book of Acts were performed by Jesus Christ. As Peter states to Anais, Jesus has healed you. You see, miracles are done by Jesus. They're not done by his people. The the people are the conduits of Jesus' miracles and are called to be obedient. The people are called to represent Jesus Christ on this earth. But one cannot do miracles on their own. Jesus is at work in all miracles. and I think that's important for us to remember. You know, sometimes people are hesitant to to pray for one another, to pray for a miracle, because what if that person is disappointed? What if my prayer, the person knows I'm praying, what if my prayer doesn't impact the way that I was hoping it would impact? And honestly, that is too bad, of course. But I think we have to keep in mind that whether the miracle is done or the miracle is not done, it's still all about him. It's all about Jesus. It's not about us. The outcome is not dependent on us, it's dependent on him. And he's going to do what he wants to do, according to God's glory. Jesus is no longer physically present on this earth. But through the power of the Holy Spirit, of Jesus... Jesus continues to work and bring healing and bringing life to the people. People represent Jesus in all situations. Peter is representing Jesus through these miracles. The work that Jesus did while on earth can continue through his people in the name of Jesus. Jesus' work is still being done on earth. God's people are being called to represent Jesus on this earth, God's people are being called to be obedient and to seek God's will on this earth. God's people have to be willing to be used by Jesus whatever we do, wherever we go, in healing, in serving, in proclaiming, in forgiving, in all areas of our lives. Now I think today Satan is trying to prevent us from representing Jesus Christ. And preventing us with having opportunities To represent Jesus by making our lives so busy. This week someone from the congregation shared with me a quote from Brennan Manning. From his book, The Ragamuffin Gospel. Manning states that, quote, Satan prompts us to give importance to what sometimes has little or no importance. Manning goes on to say that Satan clothes trivial with glitter and seduces us away from what is real. He causes us to live in a world of delusion, unreality and shadows. Satan is luring us away from what God is important to God and what sometimes is important, maybe what we see is important, but it's not that important. Too often we focus on our things and we miss out on the things of God. Today, too, we often read the big stories in the paper and the stories that impact the masses, but there are many small stories of God at work in this world, in this community, in this church, in our lives. Nothing is insignificant when it comes to God and his kingdom work. Nothing is insignificant for us to praise the Lord. And we are given several opportunities to represent Jesus on this earth and bring people and be used to bring people into a relationship with Jesus. So let's not have Satan distract us from God's mission for us. And let us continue to represent Jesus Christ in our lives. The second important thing to note from this passage is one of the words that Luke chooses to use in both these stories. The word that I'm going to bring forward to you in a moment, um, Luke didn't use this word in his gospel stories with Jesus healing and Jesus raising someone from the dead. But he did choose to use this word in the book of Acts. We read in English, the paralyzed man gets up. The dead woman gets up. In verse 34, we read, Peter said to him, to Aeneas, Jesus Christ heals you, get up and roll up your mat. And immediately, Aeneas got up. And then in verse 40, we read that Peter said, Tabitha, get up. Now, each time this word get up or got up is used in this chapter, it's a Greek verb, I'm going to say it for a moment. You don't have to remember it, but it's called anastami. It's a Greek verb. And that word, that Greek verb, means to rise up. Not just get up, but rise up. And this is where we get the word anastasis, which means resurrection. Three times in this passage, Peter is using the word for resurrection. The word is translated in English as we read it. We can read it in Luke 5 and Luke 8 as get up, and we read it in Acts as get up. And in Luke 5 and Luke 8, it actually means get up. But in Acts 9, it means rise up. Rise up. And Luke could have used a different Greek word, such as he did in his gospel. But he chose to use the word rise up or resurrect. And you've got to ask why. Aeneas was rec- resurrected from an old life. To a new life. Tabitha was resurrected from a dead life to a living life. Now, of course, the resurrection was nothing like Christ Jesus, but Jesus was resurrected and he lives forever. Anais and Tabitha were resurrected to life, to a new life, only to physically die again, but to live eternally. Through a relationship with Jesus, they can live and have a life to the full. Today, we had the opportunity to celebrate and to witness the baptism of Nash. Baptism and the resurrection are very much connected. Romans 6, we read in verses 3 to 5, we read about how we have died to sin, and it says, Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized in Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. So Luke, in this chapter, is likely using these words to point us to the power and to the person of the resurrected Lord Jesus Christ. Again, Jesus is no longer physically present on this earth, but he is still performing in miracles through his people. The Lord is, continues to bring healing and restoration and reconciliation and forgiveness to those who are impacted by sin and its consequences to all people in this world. People, for those who believe we have been given a new life in Christ Jesus and we can live this life to the full because of Jesus. And so in our lives we have the opportunity to represent the Lord Jesus Christ and share with people this new life that Jesus has to offer through his life, through his resurrection. In the story of Tabitha, Tabitha was referred to as a disciple. But when we read the story of Aeneas he wasn't referred to as a disciple. He was just referred to as a man. Now the purpose of that was that maybe Anais had not yet entered into a relationship with Jesus. So maybe the big miracle was not that Anais was healed physically, but that he was healed spiritually. His sins were forgiven in the name of Jesus. Get up! Rise up and live the life that God intended for you in a relationship with Jesus Christ, the living and resurrected Lord and Savior. And as we get to the end of each of these stories, they close off with people turning to the Lord, verse 35, and believing in the Lord, verse 42. You see, when we are obedient and we represent the Lord Jesus Christ, and we proclaim his, his life and his resurrection, people will come to know the Lord. At the beginning of the service, we began with the verse from John 10.10, 10, where Jesus said, I have come that they may have life, and may have it to the full. Having a full life doesn't necessarily mean being healed or even raised from the dead. Having a full life means to have a relationship with Jesus Christ who is the living Lord and Savior. Jesus, who is risen from the dead and who lives forever, has forgiven all your sins so that today, already today, we may have a new life in Christ and represent Jesus Christ here on this earth in wherever we are in all that we do. So these are the questions that we are left with today. Do you have a relationship with the living Lord Jesus? If not, then get up and rise up and receive the complete forgiveness of all your sins through your Savior, Jesus Christ. And if you do have a relationship, how are you representing the resurrected Lord and Savior today in your life? Again, today we witness the baptism of Nash. And on account of God's grace and God's faithfulness, Craig and Liv were challenged to respond and to represent Jesus to their son. And as a congregation, Mike shared it too, through the Faith Formation cohort, we were all called to respond. We're all called to represent Jesus, to Nash, to Craig and Liv, And to so many other children, youth, and young adults, and adults, because we all have made baptismal promises before God and before His people. We represent Jesus to those in our churches, in our families. But what about what Colossians says? Wherever we go, whatever we do, we have several injustices in this world and even in this community. How can we represent Jesus to refugees? How can we represent Jesus to those who are homeless in our community, living in the park in Exeter even? How can we represent Jesus to those who do not know him? What is Jesus calling us to today? Because he's not just saying to us, sit nicely in your pews. Representing Jesus is being used by God to show what new life, a new beginning can look like. So people of God, let's not miss out on opportunities to represent our resurrected Lord and Savior so others can see Jesus and through Jesus be forgiven and live lives to the fullest because a full life includes A life with Jesus. Amen. Let's pray. Father God, you are the resurrected Lord and Savior. You are the living Lord, the Messiah, and through your resurrection, we too have the promise of the resurrection for eternity. And through your resurrection, we too have the promise of new life today. So work in us through the power of your Holy Spirit so that we can live our life to the fullest. Working in us so that we can live our life on this earth as representatives of Jesus Christ and so others can see Jesus through us and come to know us and to know you and to praise you and follow you and love you and your people. Bless all that we do in our churches and our families and our communities and may we do it all in the name of Jesus Christ in which we pray, amen.